Well, how's it going? Uh, glad to be preaching this morning as we gather around one of our um, weekly sermon videos. I know this whole online thing is very artificial and we're longing to be together, but glad we still do get to gather together online. And uh, if this is your first time joining in with us, I'd love to just encourage you to please get in touch with us. Our details will be in the video description down below. Uh, and we'd love to just connect with you at a deeper level. So please do get in touch with us. But uh, I'm sure many of us have had the experience of flying on a plane. And uh, as we, we get on the plane, we get to our seats. And just before takeoff, we have to do the safety briefing. Now, I'm sure for many of us, this is a time to just basically stop paying attention. And it's time for us to put in our earphones and to send some last minute messages and just to basically check out. But I'm sure you've also noticed that every safety briefing, there's a few people paying proper attention. Just a few people, you know, following along in the manual during the briefing, asking questions, making sure they know what to do in case of an emergency. Maybe you've noticed some people getting uh, really uh, overwhelmed when there's some turbulence. Uh, we all know some uh, nervous flyers. And uh, I was just reminded of that. I was, I was thinking about this moment for us during COVID-19 and, and the lockdown that, you know, as the turbulence of this uh, season sets into our hearts, there are many of us who are just feeling the weight of the worry and anxiety setting into our hearts. And this morning, I just want to take some time to encourage us uh, through Psalm 16, um, that the psalmist says some amazing ways and things we can do to help uh, remind our hearts about who God is and what God will do and what God has done as we just remember what is really going on in the midst of our fear and worry. So I'm going to read it for us. It'll be on the screen now. And so let's dig into Psalm 16 together. Protect me, God, for I take refuge in you. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have nothing good besides you. As for the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones. All my delight is in them. The sorrow of those who take another God for themselves will multiply. I will not pour out their drink offerings of blood, and I will not speak their names with my lips. You, Lord, you are my portion and my cup of blessing. You hold my future. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who counsels me, even at night when my thoughts trouble me. I always let the Lord guide me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My body also rests securely. For you will not abandon me to Sheol. You will not allow your faithful one to see decay. You reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. Isn't that an encouraging psalm? It's amazing to just see what David does in reminding his heart who God is and what God has done for us. 
Uh, and you can see in the psalm, he's combating his fears through reminding himself of the person and work of God. And so I just want to take some time this morning to unpack what he's doing here uh, as we seek to also anchor ourselves in God in the midst of our worry. And the first thing we see David doing is that he takes the time to root himself in God. That's the encouragement for us, that we would be people who root ourselves in God. You can see something is happening in David's heart here. We don't know all the details, but he's feeling worried and anxious. He's feeling shaken. He's, he's feeling, feeling fearful. And so he cries out to God. He says, protect me, God, for I take refuge in you. Protect me. He's saying, guard me, God. He's asking God basically to be his bouncer or his bodyguard. That's, that's the words. And I think we can all connect to that on some level because we all feel anxious and worried. We all feel shaken at times. And so the question for us this morning is, what do you do with your worry? What do you do when you're feeling shaken? I think if you're anything like me, we have a few tactics that, that we love to run to. One of the things is just denial. We, we pretend it's not there. And uh, we try to medicate ourselves with positive self-talk. doesn't always work. Another thing I know I do is try devising a plan. We try to strategize our way out of worry, even if we have no control over the circumstance. Something else I think we're all prone to is just distraction. We entertain and escape our way out of our situation, maybe through our phones or Netflix or whatever it is. But what David's encouraging us to do here is to direct our worry to God, to cast all our cares upon him, for he cares for us, as 1 Peter 5 says. See, deep down in what David's doing here is a belief that God is not only able to help us, but willing. And so he casts his cares upon him. He runs to God. He roots himself in God. You see that word there, that you are my refuge? That's a good question for us this morning. Where are you finding refuge when you feel worried? I think we have many places we love to find refuge. Refuge is, is that thing, that source of comfort, source of security, that, that anchor in our lives that holds us through uh, all the uncertainty and questions we might have in our hearts. And so what David's doing here is he, he is choosing God above everything else. What do we find refuge in? Where are you looking for refuge? He says that in verse 2, he says, Lord, you are my Lord. I have nothing good besides you. And so what he's doing there is he's just reminding his heart that while we have many amazing gifts in our lives from God, and we'll, I'll talk about that a bit later, Ultimately, there is nothing like the Lord. God is his number one. He's saying, God, I have nothing good besides you. Nothing can compare to you. You are my one true hope and refuge. And I think that's an encouraging, an encouraging point for us this morning, just that we would assess where we run to for refuge. We have many functional refuges in our lives. Some bad things. Some very good things that have become too important and have taken the place of God. 
And so I would love to just ask you this morning, where are you finding your refuge? Romans 1.6 might be encouraging for you. It says this, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is a trustworthy God we have. This is the reason we can root ourselves in Him above everything else. Because He has done the work to prove to us that He is a God that can save and has saved us. And He deserves our whole life. And it is the best thing for us because functional refuges will let you down every time and have let me down. And so the good news of the gospel again this morning is that God is a steadfast refuge and all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. The name, just as that kid song goes, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Uh, the mighty run into it and they are saved. And would we be those people, even even today, as we choose to anchor and refuge ourselves in God? A second thing that we see in this text, and it's quite interesting, is that David rejoices in God's church. He encourages us to rejoice in God's church. See what he says there in verse 3. He says, As for the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones. All... My delight is in them. When he's talking about all the holy ones, he's talking about us, the saints of God, people who believe in the grace of God and trust Him for salvation. He's talking about Christians. And what it's, he's finding the time and reminding himself to, to feel delight in his fellow believers. Now, I don't know about you, but maybe the word delight isn't always the word that comes to mind when you think about the church. Maybe you're disappointed in the church, or maybe you've been hurt by the church. Maybe you're angry with the church. Whatever it is, God's church is meant to be a blessing for us. And I know this online thing isn't the real deal, and it's frustrating. But even that, I think God is using this time to remind us that He has built us for relationships. And even our frustration of being in lockdown is a pointer that we were made to be in community. If you're like me and you're feeling just a longing to be together again as a church, I'd love to just encourage you to hold on to that because we were made to belong to a local church uh, as God draws us into himself. I know that one of the things he's doing is helping us see a longing for community more and more, even in this time. And I'm praying that he would do that for more people because something amazing happens when we become believers, we get joined into his family. See what God says in, in Ephesians 4. This is Paul writing, verse 4 and 6. He says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. It is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all. Of all, who is over all and through all and in all. See, God has made us one with Himself and with each other. And you know, one of the things I personally love to do on Sundays, and I get emotional almost every time, is I'll just often take a moment just to pause and look around the room, and just to just to see what God is doing. It's an, it's a beautiful thing when just to see people worshiping God and engaging with them in, in the word 
and praying and trusting in Him and just trusting Him even in the midst of, of the difficulties they may be going through. It's a beautiful thing because it's a gospel celebration to consider that God has formed a church for Himself. It's an absolute miracle when you consider that God has got a people for Himself, when you consider that there is such a thing as, as Christians, that God has actually saved people. It's a miracle. We were lost and now we are found. We, we were orphans and now we've become His sons and daughters and been brought into His family. And so David reminds himself of, the, of his fellow brothers and sisters uh, in God to encourage his heart that God has done an amazing thing. He's been incredibly kind to save and be gracious and to, and to bring people into his family. And he, and he uses it as a source of, of rejoicing. Yes, God, you've done great things. You've been very kind in saving us. And I worship you for that. He, he's reorienting his fear around the grace of God and what he's done uh, to, to bring us into relationship with him. The third thing that David encourages us with is just to take the time to recognize God's grace in our lives. Verse 5 and 6, he said, Lord, you are my portion and my cup of blessing. You hold my future. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. And these are well-known verses. And I think what David's doing here is he's just taking the time to remember the markers of God's grace in our lives. That God has been incredibly kind to us in what he's given us and what he's done uh, for, in us and for us. And David's just taking the time to remember God is our sovereign, that he holds our future, and that he's also our treasure and that it's a beautiful inheritance. You see what verse 5 says? You hold my future. Isn't that a beautiful phrase? Just to just to take the time right now to remember that, that in the midst of your situation, God holds your future. Uh, you probably know the phrase, I don't know what my future holds, but I know who holds my future. It, it might be a bit cliche, but it's beautiful because it's true. God does hold your future. He knows your career, your family, your uh, aspirations, your dreams, your plans. In His sovereign kindness, He knows what is best for us and what will bring Him glory. And He is working those things out. And He holds our future. His hands are trustworthy. And sometimes we don't know what He's doing. But as the mighty Charles Spurgeon says, when we can't trace God's hands, we need to trust His heart. And God's heart has been gracious to us. He has been a kind and gracious God. He's been kind to us in a hundred different ways, a thousand million different ways. And I think if we're honest, this, this is so important for us to so just take the time to recognize that, to be intentional about recognizing the marks of God's grace in our lives. Because so often when we don't do that, our hearts will run towards discontent, disappointment, discouragement. And we'll grumble instead of being grateful. And I think what David's doing here is just reminding us, all right, guys, God has been kind to us. Let's remember that. Let's remember the markers of his grace in our lives. 
But friends, it's also so much more than just that. Let's have another look at those verses, verse 5 and 6. Because what David's actually saying is that it's not so much about the gifts, it's actually about the giver of those gifts. It's about God himself. Look what David says. He says, verse 5, Lord, you are my portion. You are my cup of blessing. Then in verse 6 he says, The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. He's saying that it's not just so much about the gift, it's about the giver of those gifts, as I said. It's about God himself. God is the ultimate gift in our lives. God is the ultimate source of grace, the ultimate expression of God's grace. That he's brought us into a relationship with himself. That we would know him. And that we would rejoice. That he would be our portion and blessing. It's an amazing thing. And I think one of the things, again, that God is doing in the midst of this pandemic and lockdown. Is causing so many of us to evaluate our lives. I think so many of us in this time have felt shaken. Uh, and the things we spend so much time running after and chasing after, you know, our, our careers, significance, money, whatever it might be, some of those things are good things. But I think in the midst of this time, when we feel shaken and when those things have come under threat, God has used this to expose the weakness and hollowness of building our lives on those things. And so I think many of us, in this time are actually starting to evaluate or maybe reevaluate or maybe evaluate for the first time uh, what we build our lives on what are the foundations in your life what is your source of meaning I, I would just take a few seconds just to say next week I think as Doug said we are starting a, a series on Ecclesiastes asking that exact question so please join us for that but uh, I just want us to ask that question because what David does is he reminds us that only Jesus is a rock-solid foundation. Only God is a rock-solid foundation for our lives. That's why he says that he can rest secure when he, when he says, God, you are my refuge. You are my Lord. You are my portion, my cup of blessing. I have nothing good besides you. I have a beautiful inheritance in you. He's saying through all these verses that ultimately he's going to choose to build his life on God and to put God first. Because that is his ultimate source of grace in our lives, that he has called us to himself. And I'd just love to encourage you even this morning to consider what are you building your life on. Many good things in our life, many gifts from God uh, to us. But ultimately, He is our ultimate gift of grace. And in the midst of this worry, we can find um, joy for our hearts in that He has become our Lord and our portion and our cup of blessing. Maybe just to read one of the verses from that hymn that we love, Be Thou My Vision. It says, Riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise. Thou my inheritance now and always. Thou and thou only, the first in my heart, high king of heaven, my treasure thou art. It's a beautiful thing when we remember to, to not just recognize God's um, sovereignty and power, but also to treasure him and to trust in him. And so what's the outcome of all of this? Once David spent time reminding himself of who God is, 
Where does this lead him? Let's look at the fourth thing, because this is where it leads him. It leads him to rest in God's faithfulness. Look at verse 9 uh, to 9. It says, Therefore my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices. My body also rests securely. Rest. You can rest. I just want to encourage you this morning. You know, one of the most theologically robust uh, things you can do, and one of the most theological acts of warfare you can do against disbelief, is to take a nap. Because when we're taking a nap, we are um, saying, yes, God, you're in control. All my frantic efforts to keep things okay and, and, and to make my own plan and, and to forge my own security are redundant and, and, and meaningless and, and, and futile. Because God, you, you are faithful. You will do it. Well, friends, maybe today, take a nap. <laughs> one, of the, one of the pastors I love, Ray Ortland, he says, Go to sleep in peace because God is awake. And that's one of the encouragements we have today. But but look at what David says. He says that he can rest because of all those things that he's been reminding himself of. He says because God is a rock-solid refuge, because we have no good thing apart from him, because God is working in his church, because he has made himself our portion and inheritance, because he is our cup of blessing, because he is at our right hand, we will not be shaken. We can rejoice and we can rest. He has been abundantly faithful to us. Now have a look at verse 10. It says something that I think will be um, just deeply encouraging for us. It says simply this, he will not abandon us. He won't abandon you. Our ever-present help in times of trouble will continue being that for us. He is faithful. You won't slip his mind. Our faithful God is going to continue being faithful uh, to us. And so what David is saying is we can rest because God knows our lives. God knows your life. He knows what you need. He knows your situation. Faithful he has always been. And he will always be faithful. You can rest today in his faithfulness. But last, I just want to encourage us. The fifth thing he says is to just remember the gospel. Well, I know that might sound strange reading from the Old Testament, but it's there. Look again at verse 10 and 11, because it says more than um, what we just uh, spoke about. It says, for you will not abandon me to Sheol. You will not allow your faithful one to see decay. You reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. That phrase where it says, you will not abandon me to shell, you will not allow your faithful one to see decay. That's actually a prophetic word about Jesus. It's about Jesus' resurrection. That God did not allow him to see decay. In fact, uh, both uh, Peter and Paul used those verses uh, to preach the gospel. In fact, Peter use, uses this psalm uh, when he preaches the first Christian sermon ever preached in Acts 2. And it's ultimately about Jesus. And so what, for what David was doing is he's prophetically looking at forward ahead of the gospel, but encouraging us today to remember the gospel. 
And what he's saying is that the gospel is ultimately the primary source of hope we can have. How do we know that God is our refuge? How do we know that he will be with us? Surely it's it's the good news of the gospel and what he has accomplished in his death and resurrection. You see, friends, he lost his life to give us life. He was broken so we could be healed. Jesus was abandoned so that you and I would never be abandoned and so that we would be adopted as his sons and daughters and brought in to the refuge of our Father. The gospel is God's hope for us. He will continue to be faithful to us even in the midst of these days when your heart is troubled, when you are feeling the weight of fear and anxiety and worry. The ultimate good news is the gospel. If he has gone through all of that for us, if he was abandoned to make sure that those who believe in him will always be taken care of, that if God's presence left him on the cross, that those who believe in him would have God's presence with them to guide them and protect them, then we can rest securely and we can rejoice. And that is the good news for us today. It really is true. He really has done and will do that for us. The good news of the gospel tells us what God will do for us uh, when we trust in him and put our faith in him. And we can rest and rejoice even in the midst of our worry and fear. And so when I, just allow me to pray for us. Let's, let's thank God for his grace for us. God, thank you for your outrageous grace for us. Thank you, Lord, that um, you've done it all for us. Thank you, God, just as this psalm reminds us that we can put our trust in you and that when we put you first in our lives, when we forsake all of our other idols, all of our false uh, uh, um, refuges, all of our functional saviors and believe again in the Lord Jesus Christ and when we choose to believe who you say you are, God, we can enter rest even in the midst of our worry because you are who you say you are and you have done what you said you would do. And so this morning we choose, God, again, just to um, trust in you. We lay our lives before you, God. We surrender to you uh, and we put it all in your hands once again. Thank you, Lord, that you hold our future. And I just want to pray again for those of us feeling particularly worried and anxious this morning. I pray, God, that you would draw near. Thank you that you really are an ever-present help in times of trouble. God, I pray that you would send your spirit to comfort and encourage um, our church today, and that we would rejoice again in the goodness of God and your grace to us. Amen.